Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And we're the hosts of Talk 30 Rock to Me. Do you crave cheese late at night? Do you have lots of thoughts on your mind grapes? Do you think a rape whistle can double as an accessory? Do you miss 30 Rock? We sure do. We miss it so much, we started a podcast about it. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe today. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast. It's the Improv Session Podcast with Stephen Perlstein. Let's do this thing. Okay. How do I intro these jokes? <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today on the show, very special guest, Will Hines. Hi, Stephen. Hi, how's and it going? hello, everybody. Yeah, we had a long chat, and uh, there's always that, like, hi, how's it going thing. Oh, yeah. But I, my brain can wrap around that pretty easily. <laughs> How, like, we were just talking to each other, and now you hit record and we're doing this. So I, yeah, yeah. I get that. Cool. As long as, as long as there's not, like, a zone thing in your mind, you're ready to go. I mean, I'm able to really totally understand what just happened. <laughs> I am, too. Uh, our, uh, currently joining uh, our dog. My dog is here. Yeah. And he's just staring at Will, very interested in the whole process. Very sweet. What's, re- and what's your dog's name again? Grizz. Grizz, yeah. After the 30 Rock character? Yes, after the 30 Rock character. Huh. Spent uh, two hours at the a- the Lincoln Memorial uh-huh. just trying to come up with names for a dog with my girlfriend. We landed on Grizz, and we're like, oh, this is perfect. It's got to be Grizz. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name. So better than dot .com. <laughs> better than dot .com for sure. Yeah. When we get another one, probably will be dot .com. <laughs> That's fine. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, all right. So we just talked about a little... We just talked about like what we're going to cover today. Yeah. Uh, kind of just for the the sake of everybody to get a context of yeah. you. Let's just go like, who's Will? Okay. I'm a guy, you want me just to answer that? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, Are you in like comedy and like how bad? In the improv yeah, yeah, yeah. context in of things. All right, world. so I'm a, a guy who started doing UCB in 1999 in New York. Great. Took classes and got in a team. And, I, and once I started, I was sort of obsessed and never stopped being part of UCB and kind of like climbed up its ladders, both informal and formal. Yeah. Got on Herald teams and better herald teams and we got made a teacher and then eventually got put in charge of the new york school then very briefly in charge of both coasts well you did both coasts at one point for uh, not even a year okay when joe wangert um stopped and johnny meeks took over for him okay. technically i became the senior of oh, the two coasts i did not realize okay yeah but now johnny is senior good for him um <laughs> and it 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 rarely matters yeah but um that person calls the Breaks the ties yeah. on policy decisions. Fair enough. Um, and and then um, and then I moved out to L.A. in January. And uh, so that's been like 14 years at UCB. But And then over that time also learned how to shoot and direct videos and did a, did a fair number of videos at a time when videos were kind of new in New York City. Yeah. Acted in a handful of high-profile web videos as much as one can be in one of those. Yeah. You, you were in BPOL, right? I was not actually. Did I feel like I should have been. I, oh no, no, the other uh, John Frusciante was. That's right. The I other, remember. You, yeah. yeah, and I ran a podcast in New York, yeah. which uh, introduced a lot of the New York improv people to the slightly larger UCB community, including LA. That's, yeah. So you're associating me with my co-host Frusciante, John yeah. Frusciante. Yeah. Under, yeah. Was understandably. Totally, uh, and I knew. I think I, I knew it was one of you. That's and totally I just took a okay. shot. 
That is the kind of video that I would have stumbled into, but I missed the golden ticket of the big hit BP mm. spills oil. It's real rough. I'm thinking more things like Very Merry Kate, which was a college humor yeah. web series that yeah. was some that was actually I'd say very successful. Yeah, very good. Uh, things like that, and dabbled in stand up and doing sketch shows. I, I have stepped beyond UCB to some degree, although still primarily just a UCB person. Hey, that's great. So that's who I am. Okay, and now um, I'm out here teaching and on the smokes and doing stuff. Yeah, are you on? Okay, I'm what? on the smokes and effed up family. Effed up family. Okay, great. So there's Will Hines. I feel like everybody probably, if they're listening to this podcast, probably nerdy enough to know who you are. But right. it's important. Because if they're into improv podcasts, they're probably listening to yours and mine from yeah. New York, at least somewhat. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's a safe crossover in the iTunes. That It's usually uh, ours next to each other and oh, like Jimmy's. Right? And okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy's is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're competitive or something? Or you, you no, just... no, no. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, always, I like his podcast. Uh yeah, whatever. Have you read uh, his book? Have you read Improvising Better? I have. Uh, I think that's a terrific book. It's very good. That was what uh, I like about it is it's it's if anybody hasn't out there hasn't read it and you're an improv nerd, I highly recommend Improvising Better because it's a very lean book. You can read it in like an hour. Jimmy Crane and somebody else. Liz Allen. Liz Allen. That's right. Liz Allen, who was John Lutz's Herald team coach. Got it. And lots of people's Herald team coach. Right. <laughs> Big Chicago teacher. Yeah. Uh, she might live in Las Vegas, Nevada now. I don't know. Anyway, it's a great book because. I've tried to write an improv book, and I'm still trying, and it's hard to do. Yeah. And so I've read a good handful of them. Yeah. And they sort of fall into either like a historical one, like something wonderful right away, like history Uh of it, or they do like inspirational, just like make, you know, kind of get you psyched up about improv, which I I would count. Jill Bernard's. Jill Bernard's, I would count as that. I would also count truth and comedy as that, like. Yeah, that is. Oh, I think I'd, inspirational more than procedural, and a little bit historical too. I feel like there's yeah, a lot. we did so much, but it's historical. I think for the sake of inspiring you to yeah. be like, this is where sure. it came from. So get psyched about it. Um, <laughs> so get psyched, and then also practical advice, which there isn't very much of. Although yeah. I think improvise by Mick Napier Napier's has good. like direct practical advice, and um, and the UCB one. book is nothing but very dogmatic practical advice. Yeah, super dry. But super dry and no fun. No inspiration in the ECB book, but plenty no. of like, this is really how we do it. And I think it's an accurate depiction of what it's like to be in class with Besser or Ian. Yeah. Uh, who are two of the best teachers you can find. So that's something. But Improvising Better is the best of all of them, I think. Um, I mean, it's nowhere near as ambitious as the ECB book. But mm. it's just like two good teachers wrote down the most common notes they gave in a very articulate fashion and gave exercises that hit those notes. It's very to, po- to the point. Uh, yeah. You can get th- through it, what, on an afternoon? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so easy to read and so helpful. Yeah. It's got the the highest density usefulness to page count yeah. <laughs> of any book. <laughs> and and so that makes me really like Jimmy Crane. Yeah. And it's very, if you're an improviser and you read it, it's written by improvisers for improvisers. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Everybody, I guess the whole point of this thing. Yeah, it's an advertisement for that. Go get that book. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about then uh, we, the most common notes. That was a thing you just said. What's uh-huh. the thing that you see most often? Most common notes. I feel like we covered a lot is of that in teacher? the class. Yeah, the yeah. teacher, coaching, Herald Knight, whatever. What's uh, what's that, that thing that most often you see go wrong? Okay. Within the UCB world, like just top of scene, not connecting with each other mm-hmm. is maybe the most common thing. Like somebody's got a premise and they're, it's filling up their head. And so they're not really paying attention to their scene partner while they say it. Mm-hmm. 
and the scene partner is trying desperately to jump two steps ahead of that premise as it's being said, and they just both need to drop it and look at each other and just commit to the scene a little bit better. Yeah. Some combination of, like, patience and investment and not trying to race ahead. Yeah. That's the most common thing I see. Um, like, just trying to be funny too early. Yeah. Um, that That's one of the most common things I see. Another one is um, uh, getting any, – anytime you're checked out. So, like, you get a good pattern going, but then you just blindly lock into it, and you're, you're like, heightening blindly. Yeah. Instead of thinking about each one and earning each one, mm-hmm. they get artificial and fake too fast. I get that. It sounds that's like a common one. That's like an advanced class one. Yeah, like you're good enough to get the who, what, where, find something and start heightening it, but then you're just doing it automatically. Yeah, and it's bad. I feel like I uh, both of those in a weird way, unnecessarily, speak to probably what's considered like the weakness of UCB. Which is like oh yeah I, th- I totally think you totally think you're right yeah it's like it's game it's like smart they're not listening whatever right. uh, and I feel like yeah you're sketch writing on your feet yeah instead of developing stuff with your partner exactly they're not uh, I feel yeah. like that's the thing that that's I used to get weak, a lot that is too. the bad side it was yeah. like it was like you jumped ahead like three I remember like a lot my coaches would be like you're you're jumping ahead like three moves I'm like yeah well I know all the moves yeah so like shouldn't I just be yeah like the best one right like, the craziest one <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly, it didn't get a good response. Right. Ever. They didn't like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. Never, they never liked that. Uh, I think or the com- audience. I'm, re- I'm into, I, mean, I used to be a computer programmer, and so I think analytically, a lot of people who do improv try to reduce it to formulas and rules. It never totally works that way. Sure. But like, here's one. When you, so a lot of improv is making lists, right? Like you're sure. hitting something a number of times, or you're just following a pattern a number of times. Okay. Right? Like, whatever. Somebody comes out who says he's baking rolls, then somebody's baking a cake, and then somebody's baking, like, a super cake or whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but um, I find that the second and third person in those patterns on experienced teams, they go too far. Number two in a list should always be almost an exact copy of number one just to lock down what number one is. That was really interesting to me when we talked about that in class because yeah. uh, I got – I also got that note several times in the class. It was like, yeah, 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 too big, too big. Just do the same, just do almost the same thing. Let's just all kind of confirm it for each other. Yeah, I think the second time you hit a game or a pattern or almost anything, it should just be like an almost copy of it. Yeah. Just to show, because it won't be as much of a copy as you think, and you'll be helping to decide for the group which is the important part of that first move. Yeah. And then the third one, that's the first one that can be a little far off, but even that one... You shouldn't get. I don't think you should start getting nuts until the fourth one. Yeah, and then you can go. I. I mean, it sounds dumb to put numbers on it like that, but I think that works out a high percentage of the time. I was thinking about that too. I've been thinking about that more and more when I'm doing shows. Just like, well, what's if we're about at the second one, third one? How big do I really need to go with this? Uh, because it's also there's also the thing too of. Uh, it's the thing I I think that's also a language problem. I'm gonna guess heightening. Like that's uh-huh. a, I think that was like a, a term that's great, but also like fuck things up in a way because of uh, that. Yeah, totally. It's like it's just a dumb semantic thing that people are like, oh, right, bigger, 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 bigger. Uh, you're completely right. Like heightening is a, it is a great term because people get the gist of it very quickly. Yeah. And they understand how that relates to humor and it does. Yeah. So, and therefore it's a really good term. Yeah. But then they do oversimplify it and apply it 
in places and to degrees that are not helpful. Yeah. Uh, and heightening is not just bigger and louder. Yeah. Um, although sometimes it is. I'm trying to get the term to catch on. This is one that I've used. Okay. Feel free to spread it. Okay. Expand the game. Expand it. Expand the game and uh, defend that. uh, I will. So I think we say heightening goes bigger, bigger, bigger. I think expand it is just like look for, when I would say it's like look for more things that that affects it. Uh, And you're more likely to get like uh, if we're talking about, you know, stuff we're baking, we're heightening, you know, we go. I didn't even give you a good example. Cupcake, cakes, super cakes. Right, right. And that's not, you know, this is obviously not a game. But if we're talking about just expanding things that we're baking, we're less likely to or look uh, more around it, I think you're looking for same level beats. I think if you think in terms of expanding, I don't know. It's yeah. just a dumb semantic thing. What do you thing. think of uh, heighten and explore? I mean, heighten that's the explore. UCB's term that I hadn't yeah. really heard for a long time, and I I feel like they developed it when they wrote their book. Yeah, and I I'm embarrassed, but I'll be honest to say, like I didn't even really, I wasn't even super aware of that until I'd read the draft of the book, maybe the second time. Sure. But anyway, Heighten and Explore. Heighten and Explore. Heighten and Explore, I love. Uh, that's better than just that, Heighten. Yes. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Because uh, it's easy to, it's also easy to, as soon as you get it, to, if you get a game, especially mm-hmm. young, like if you're used to not getting games. Yeah. Uh, and when you get one, you'll just kill it. You'll just right, right. do 100,000 moves so fast. Yeah. Beat the hell out of the game. Like, and all of the worst versions of Beat the Hell Out of the Game. Right, right, right. But, like, uh, I think, yeah, so the Explorer's good, but we always forget about it. And it's like, just react to it, parse it apart, make sure it's believable somehow. Like, if somebody says, uh, trying to think of a game that I've seen recently or done recently. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, When is the last time I did improv? (laughs) What was funny? I had one that was, like, basically... Uh, considering calling uh, a school play the arts, like taking taking very amateur children's thing too seriously. Okay. Right. Uh, so, and I just kind of stated like, you know, I consider these the arts. And it's easy to move forward enough with that of just going like more things that are not arts or not like high art. Right. Uh, but justifying it a little bit or living in that beat a little bit is the expanding of it. It's like, yeah, you know, I go, I go, I go to the theater, you know, three nights a week, and right. uh, I see the third graders, fourth graders, and fifth graders. Uh, you know, and it's uh, and then challenging it as part of the, ex- uh, the exploring, right? Right. Like, what? Why would you think that that's part of it? Like, you know, that there are professionals doing it, whatever. And, like that gets to your justification and right, stuff, right? Right. Right. Yeah, I think that living in it, the world that it's in. Like taking moments to live in and explore before you make your next move is really important, and it stops the scene from feeling like a really forced and arbitrary list. Yeah, that that's what it, it, it makes you feel like you're earning each step of the way. Right, and the audience likes it a lot better. Yeah, they're more delighted when you find it within in a way that's connected to the same world for sure. Yeah, uh, Drew Defonso Mark said like he has a little chart, uh-huh. and it's like if uh, if you have your time on the Oh, God, it's been so long since I've done math. X-axis. That's right. And then game moves are Y-axis. Okay. Uh, a lot of times people do like a little curve line straight up. He's that's like, right. that's just not it. Just don't do that. Okay. Uh, you heighten, and then you just, it's a step. And you just lay flat and explore, right, right, right. explore, that's, explore it. Right. Heighten, and that's just a little bit more, and then it's just flat. Just stay on that one for a little bit. Live in that beat. Don't yeah. worry about going bigger. I think he's exactly right. He's a genius. Yeah. He's he's very articulate dude. He's going to come on tomorrow. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think he's great. He's a really good teacher. He is. Uh, actually, I've never had him as a teacher, but just in talking to him and hearing him articulate things, it's clear that he's 
really he knows his stuff. He's good. Yeah. And it, like, yeah, he's one. Of, he, I bet, I bet you him a lot, like directly addressing stuff and kind of like weird when it goes bad. It's good. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Like um, a good teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, the term in terms of uh, the UCB's good and bad effect on improv, the, the bad, good and bad effect is that it makes you get something early, yeah. and push it aggressively early, yeah, and that can be bad because it can be thin and shallow and forced, right? But it can be good too because I've certainly seen more than my share of improv that goes nowhere. Yeah. And it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. And right now I'm teaching 101s again. Great. I moved out here and I, I'm so I usually, right so far this year I've taught like a 101 and then another class, which has either been an advanced or a 401. Yeah. And it's uh, super exciting and um, illuminate, illuminating to see people learn it for the first time. Yeah. Because um, 101s, uh, you know, it is it is a lot for a one-on-one class just to play make-believe in any kind of organized way. Like, just to be able to think of a name that isn't your own when you're doing an impression <laughs> and you're new to it is hard. Yeah. And just to be able to, like, answer the basic who, what, where, why are we doing this, just n- forget being funny. Yeah. Just, like, if you start a scene and it's in doubt that we are both, like, teachers in a teacher's lounge, just, like, what grade, what happened today is a lot for them to come up with. Sure. Um, and they very commonly fall on the, this is my first day, why don't you tell me, I don't know anything. Sure. Um, because that is the first rational explanation they can grab onto as to why they don't, why know, they anything. don't know anything. Yeah. And it's really interesting to watch people at this level because all the stuff we're talking about, you throw it all out the window, or I do. Maybe other, you know, and I've actually been talking to other 101 teachers to, to make, to improve my ability at this level mm-hmm. and to remind myself of what it's like. But so far what I've been doing is you throw anything in, but anything you can do to get them to like, just be able to have a working scene you do. Yeah. So you, you know, advanced students, we talk about the uh, difference between premise and game and over heightening and not getting too big and heighten and explore. 101, forget it. It's just sort of like, I'll say to them, the first funny thing that happens, look to do it again. Yeah. Like, repeat the funny thing. Like, say it again. Yeah. And it's all just patterns. Yeah. Because for them, that's, that's a miracle. Because what they normally do is they get into a fight, and then one of them wins. Yeah. Or they create a problem and solve it. Yeah. That's all they can do. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's a struggle. Yeah. And, and somewhere in there, um, within that, they're doing a lot of good improv fundamentals that you don't want to discourage. Yeah. But the scene is dumb. Yeah. Because their arc is just sort of like, wait a minute, you said this, how come you're mad at me? Maybe I'm mad at you. We'll see who wins. And it's like, no, 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 no. Just. And then so as soon as anything funny happens, you're like, do that again. Yeah. Like, um, like I just, uh, I just finished a one-on-one class, and they were they were good. You know, they're. Neither exceptional in neither direction. I say that in the best way. Sure, I get it. <laughs> like, because uh, I've had some one-on-one classes where there's a lot of people who've done improv before, so that that just leads the whole class. And I've had some where there's just for whatever reason it's a tough chemistry and it's really yeah, it's just rough. Click. Yeah, this is not that. This is a fine class, but like, they'll do a scene where it's oh, I wish I could remember anything, um, where. It's 
Oh, you know, yesterday I did a 401 grad class and a 101 grad class, and I did the 401 last. Now all I can remember is the 401 one. <laughs> like my brain will only hold on to the most recent one. <laughs> well, all right. I remember one from a previous 101 class, which was like they – it's a DJ in a club talking to her manager. Okay. Off hours. And, she, and he's complaining that her DJing is like too aggressive. Like, she's playing music that's too aggressive. Yeah. And they solve the problem. She, like, agrees to play more passive music and the yeah. scene's over. And I was like, no, no, that the funny part is you're playing aggressive music, right? Yeah. So, like, do it again. Play more aggressive music. Just play, ag- do something aggressive. Yeah. That's your job now in the scene. And then they'll do that, but it's very thin and it's just blindly repeating whatever the phrase was that cued them off. But from my perspective as a one-on-one teacher, I'm like, that's a miracle. That's the best. They did it. I can't even, I'm not even going to mention that they're not justifying it. I'm not even going to mention that it's not real. Yeah. I just need to get them doing anything close to the semblance of a comedy scene. Yeah. That doesn't break the rules of reality. They can't. They also just can't force stuff in there out of nowhere. Yeah, it's really hard. It, yeah, and I'm, so what I'm saying is like you, you drop all your. So <laughs> I hear 401 teachers and advanced teachers, and I am one, complain about like the bad habits that students bring into their class. Sure, but it's like those bad habits. That was all they could do. They weren't good enough to do anything but bad habits. Right. I, I feel like I get an English teacher being like, every paragraph has to have a topic sentence, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And then they get into an advanced level class. Like, my teacher told me the topic sentence has to be the first sentence. Yeah. And they're like, that's stupid. It's like, it wasn't stupid when it that student then. was dumb. That student was dumb. Like, that's all they could do. Yeah. Sorry, I just talked a lot. No, it's good. One-on-one versus advanced is really interesting because you go back to the most reductivist, simplest version of the rules. This is what I want to say. At that time, I'm <laughs> glad for UCB because... We push them to do something. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing happens, and it's right. really frustrating to watch. Uh, it's interesting. I feel like you have to. Uh, I, I I spent a lot of time coaching a very young team and and uh, kind of trying to build them up over time, and I, I kind of felt like I did the same thing. I was like, all we're really gonna do is just get you confident on stage. Yeah. I'm not even, like scenes, whatever. All it's gonna be is just like confidence and like yeah. fake boasting, and like I'm yeah. gonna tell you every scene's great. Good job. Like, that's kind of where necessary. I started. And then it's like, okay, and then we're going to try to build on to it, like, doing things again. Starting to look at what game yeah. looks like. So that when shit goes wrong, because yeah. it always does, right. it's like you'll at least look confident. You'll at least look it's like you're supposed thing. to do it. I just was talking with Zach Woods. Maybe that's name droppy, but it's Ooh. also true. About teaching. And he was saying, and I think he's right, he's like, that the emotional... I'm going to get his words exactly not... I mean, somewhat wrong, because he's... <laughs> good at talking and i forget exactly but it's something like the emotional tenor of the classroom is paramount like the ability of the classroom to create in its students a feeling of confidence yeah is maybe the most important thing yeah um <laughs> like just and, and i think he was talking about his own teaching that he had been a very harsh and strict teacher which is true and that he was saying he would do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Because he's taking a lot of acting classes now. And it's like you're looking just to find a version of yourself that is confident and strong. Yeah. And that is the responsibility of the teacher to some degree, to a large degree. Yeah. Like people should be – they should feel confident in your class. I mean you don't want to lie to them either. I but think, like – Yeah. I was going to say I think in, I'm, I'm, like this happens a lot uh, with subs. I feel like in, in UCB. A sub will come in. 
especially in an advanced class, and just sort of go, like have a baseline expectation and be not met with it, like whatever they've expected, and then there's just negativity instantly, and we're all the worst. Like we become the worst we've been over eight weeks. Like I yeah. remember that happened in your class too. I don't even remember mm-hmm. who the sub was, but he came in and just Seth, like it was, ne- yeah, it was negative. It was like rough. We like weren't doing yeah, good yeah, enough, yeah. and like we just couldn't. We just couldn't do, and we're like, we that class I thought was really good. We were all very proud of the work that we did in that. And then we're like, oh no, sorry, Seth. Like, yeah, please yeah, don't yeah. be mad. He was like, what? Like he was like, what have you guys been doing? <laughs> like he said, I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But yeah, yeah that'll yeah, happen yeah. a lot. Like I think it's that if it if it feels like if it feels like you're expected to be like way better than you are, like you kind of, I feel like maybe the teacher has to match expectation with like ability a little bit. If you're expected I think there's to be also better than you are. Be selective. Like, is a class trying to hit game a lot, or is a class trying to hit like more realistic acting, or just better patience, or something? Or yeah. like, you know, some of those old school UCB guys, and Seth is one of them. Those are Besser's first generation. Like they, all they not not all they know how to do, but they first first and foremost think about layout a game and hit it. Yeah, and. You know, as someone who's never stopped teaching, there's a time when you have to back off that and be like, no, just forget game and what would you really say here? Yeah. Have a richer response than you have had. Yeah. And while you do that, your game gets soft. Yeah. While you're kind of like exploring that stuff. So like the teacher might just has to have like the right expectations. That's fair. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not That's even fair. a question of better or worse. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll stand by that one and say that if you expect way more than is possible of them, they'll never succeed. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, uh, also, too, like I think talking about like we talk about like building up game and like yeah. stripping it away and like getting worse at it. I feel like that's always a thing. Like that's a cycle. I feel like I go through a lot, uh, and that is actually kind of helpful. Like you get good at game. Like I've gotten. <laughs> At various points in the improv career, I've gotten, like, those emails from the teachers. Like, you're killing the game. Like, just act for once. Okay. You monster. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think that's implied. Yeah. Uh, and I think – but I think that's, like, kind of a regular thing of, like, you go through you got, you got through that cycle of, like, I'm really, really focusing on this and I'm getting good at this again. And it's like, oh, but you've lost all sight of everything else. What do you think about Cook County Social Club? I've never seen them. Oh, really? Yeah, not at once. What, okay. How about – um. I'm gonna get the name wrong. What's the the IO three the three guys who are the super guys like um, Bob Dassey, Craig Kukowski, oh, oh yeah, Dazariski, Dazariski, yeah, oh Dazariski, yeah, seen them, yeah, okay. How about TJ and Dave? Uh, only the movie. Um, so let's go with the name Dazariski. I've already forgotten how to say. Yeah. yeah. That. What do you think of that? It's good. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. How do in this talk context. About it? Oh, in the context three, of like... These are three guys who are very funny. Yeah, they're incredible. And tremendously good actors. Yeah. Um, who were raised in a non-game priority environment. Yeah. But they make very pleasing shows. Yeah. Because I, I always think the one argument for game, for teaching game hard, is that what I like about it is it, it makes the practitioners of it accountable for their shows being funny. Yeah. It's like, your show has to be funny, too. Like, we can't just all hug each other and call each other geniuses. It's like, what was the funny part? Yeah. And I've always liked that practicality. As a matter of fact, when I first started improv, 1999, I had actually done a couple classes at this place called Chicago City Limits in New York, which sure. was like the big improv scene before Short UCB. Form. Eugene Cordero. 
Charlie, yeah. Charlie Sanders. Yes, sir. You know your stuff. <laughs> Although the classes were long form. That was weird about CCL. Like the shows really? were all, yeah. The shows were short form, but if you took a class at CCL, this is my experience. I took a class in 96, 97, and 98 from Sean Conroy was my first teacher, yeah. John Cameron Telfer, and then Rob McCaskill. And I really enjoyed all these classes. The shows were all short form. But if you took a class, it was all long form stuff. Up on the wall of their classroom, they had three rules. And I actually, I forget the third one. But it was the first one was don't deny. Second one was make active choices. And I actually can't remember the third one. It's really strange. But it was something of the variety of like give a shit about what you're doing. Oh, I think it might yeah. have been justified. Justified. Well, those are what yeah, are the those kitchen are, rules. The yeah, kitchen yeah. rules, right? Yeah. So, but that was definitely on their classroom, and we just did long form scenes. And I was yeah. and taking their classes. I was like, "What are we studying this for? This has nothing to do with what your shows are." Yeah. But I never even asked that question. Yeah. And there was no community in CCL, so there w- it wasn't like people hung out after and talked about it. Huh. So, uh, looping uh, into got, get to UCB. <laughs> So that was, those long form classes were very like group huggy and actorly, but Just I always remember it, thinking like these the aren't thing. funny. Yeah. But I am compelled by the philosophical things that were being taught. Like it's very, I can feel that this is good, and yet our product is not funny. Yeah. What's up with? And your shows are short form, so obviously you don't even have faith in this to do a, a show. Yeah. With this, then the UCB showed up. Yeah. They do long form in the classes and in the shows, and when I took classes. I just really liked how built into the culture was what was your funny idea. Yeah. I appreciated that because I hate stupid improv scenes that go nowhere. So to, then to I see that that's a risky and yes. they're funny. They're very funny. But they're clearly not. They're not focused on game. Yeah. Because they're funny and their tools. I think this is what happens. I've decided is I've, I watch I watch shows at IO. I've taken classes there. I got up to their, like, level five or whatever, and I was like, we're still not doing anything funny. Does everybody know that, like, I was, like, frustrated a number of times? Yeah. Uh, we're just not doing what's funny. What's with that? Uh, and I think what happens is their their tools are good enough. Their tools are so strong of just, like, scene work that they can put in, like, little, interject things that are funny or weird or random or whatever and play with them enough as scene people – yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah. To, like, make it funny and make it real and, like, you know, in the improv way, have it come back. Like, they accidentally will do game. It's less priority, but they'll do it. And I think it's just because, like, their scene tools are so strong. And I think, you know, I don't think I can – I think at one point, and I bet it can't stand up to this now, you could put a group of IO to performers together versus a group of UCB performers together and be like well these IO people are performing very well yeah uh and these UCB people are very funny I think UCB just, just surpassed it. it's just decimating everybody yeah uh how rude uh but um but you know like yeah I think that's I think that's what happens is like you know Craig Craig they, they that guy's he's funny he'll just interject yeah. a little funny thing oh yeah and they'll play with it and they'll all make it great bob dassey and he'll he makes he's amazing he's so his little quips and he's hilarious and they can all play with it they're seeing one of my favorite improv shows i ever saw was a weird ass show with him and stephanie weird yeah they came out to dcm this is like dcm two or three or something i think it was three because they went out and i'm nerds and it was like if anybody <laughs> has the schedule for these old shows but it was like friday <laughs> Right after DCM started, they showed the Delmonic interviews first, which was this yeah. film documentary of uh, Dell. That's how they opened the marathon. And then I think Weird Ass was like the second or third show. Yeah. And so a lot of us had gotten there 
early to see Weird Ass. And they did not disappoint. Yeah. And Dassey and Stephanie did a scene. They both played... They played two women who were going to a bar to try to meet boys. Then they also played two boys. They switched and they played two boys in another part of the bar hoping to meet girls. Yeah. And then they met each other. Yeah. And they and then they all danced. And all, so they kept switching between four characters. Yeah. Each of them had two. Yeah. Who were dancing in like different styles. And it was uh amazing, like an amazing yeah. a bunch of just physical Yeah. Know, is that clowning or just acting or it was just one of the funniest things. Yeah. And just most overwhelmingly intimidatingly great things I'd ever seen. Yeah. And I, was just I, like, oh, and I still don't think I've ever done anything as good as that scene. Yeah. It's incredible. But those like that that that's a thing that I think will fundamentally and a thing that Hayao will emphasize more even in their classes now of like showmanship and stuff like that where I think they put those type of tools in your pocket. Yeah. And like personally because I came started at UCB and whatever I'm like yeah but like I'd have to, you, I have to sit through so many unfunny scenes or so many pointless scenes. I totally scenes. agree. And at CCL, even though I really did enjoy those classes, we didn't do any scenes until the end of our second level. And it really wasn't our third level that we started doing any scenes. It yeah. was all like exercises and like abbreviated structured things mm-hmm. that were like – that. they weren't short form games. They were – Yeah. But it just took us forever to do – and it frustrated me. And UCB – First day of level one, it was just one, not one-on-one then. Yeah. We were doing scenes. By the yeah. end of it, Kevin Mullaney had us up doing scenes, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, that's great. I was so excited. Do they do scenes in the first class now? I, I don't would, think they do. They do, but they okay. do those yes-and paraphrasy scenes where okay. you have to, like, you know, it's you say, a while. here's an apple pie, and then the other person goes, oh, this is an apple pie, and it's your birthday. Okay. Those are on the first day. Okay. Fair enough. <sighs> Been a minute. Um... They're supposed to be. <laughs> I think they are. I think those generally, those are, that's not an exercise that teachers do not skip. Yeah. And there's a lot of time devoted to it in the curriculum, so I think that happens. I, yeah. I remember my first day was Eugene Cordero. Ooh, great uh, one. It was fun. It was really good. But I remember uh, we do the rants, or maybe that wasn't Pet the first Pete one. Rant. That's Pet the Pete first rants. one, yeah. Yeah. And I remember having like an inflated premise uh-huh. and going like, this isn't working. Like right, a right. little oh. bit like, this is not right. Yeah. I can see that this will not fly here. Yeah. Oh. And I remember that kind of feeling good. Yeah. Because I remember going like, oh, this is a little, this isn't quite right. Like yeah. I knew that was a little. Oh, so you got the lesson right away. Oh, it hurt though. Oh, Christ, uh, it hurt. Really? Because I still had I to like, what am I going to change it like midway through? <laughs> Teaching 101 again, and it's been a while, those first two days are just about getting people over their fears. Yeah. Not that they even totally get over it, but just like fear is dominant and you just want exercises that are doable. Yeah. So that you finish them and they survive. So like even if somebody is doing the way I teach pet peeve rant is if someone is being jokey in it, you're supposed to note them and be like, oh, you're not supposed to be fake. You're supposed to be honest here. I I will say that like, but I won't make a big deal about it because mostly it's like you got up in front of the class, you spoke and you're still alive is what I'm thinking the lesson is. Yeah. So... I don't even start teaching any real improv in my head until the third session. But that's not that long a wait. I feel that's a fine compromise. That's not long at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I I like the UCBs forcing you to do something. The other thing is you can't teach taste or funniness. And some people are just – they have a sense of what's funny more than others. Yeah. And they're going to get it so much faster than everybody else. There's no formula that – 
that leads you to funniness, I don't think, or very little. How often do you think uh, doing teams and stuff, this is part of this, I feel like this is maybe true, that like good good teams versus bad teams? Yeah. Uh, there's Hopefully everybody's technically proficient at some point, but there also is a level, I think there's a matter of, like you said, taste. I think that will probably define like the ability. If the, your taste overlaps? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I feel like coming up, or like when I started, I played with a lot of teams and was just like, eh, can't believe we're doing this scene again. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, fully admitting, like, that's terrible. <laughs> that's a terrible mindset no, to no, be No, 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 but it's true. Like, some some very funny improv teams, like the Swarm is my favorite team of all time, mm-hmm. and they still perform. Uh, and um, they're still a very good team. They, they're not as good as when they all used to do it and they were practicing a lot. Yeah. Um, but... Those guys, the last time I saw them a bunch, which was a couple of years ago, they still do the move. And I, can I just say that I love the swarm? I'm about to say something negative. And I, <laughs> to me, I feel like I'm about to talk about like what's wrong with the Beatles. <laughs> and I want everyone to know that I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but just for the sake of analyzing improv stuff, uh, they'll still do the move where if a scene's kind of going wonky and it gets complicated, somebody will tag everybody out and be like, hey, I read your script. Sure. What's happening here? And that to me is a real hack move sure. like it's really cliche and it's below the swarm yeah but they love it i think yeah and they enough of them love it that it's not a problem like yeah if somebody on the team doesn't think it's a good move it's not a big enough deal to like derail the group yeah enthusiasm for the scene but there are on teams that i've been in that would kill the show yeah because everybody'd be like oh yeah what like, it would, like, hurt the group mind of the show. Yeah. So, yeah, taste has to be there. You can't do that. Although I think the biggest problem with the ECB teams is the opening. Opening? Not being on the same page with what you want out of your opening is <laughs> killing I've UCB heard a lot teams. of, like, trouble with that in the past of, like, having never been on Herald Night and only hearing it kind of, like, second or first or whatever. It's, like, it's a lot of little debates and arguments and, like, yeah. I don't know. I Really, I'm curious how much it matters because I feel like I don't care. <laughs> like I can, I feel like I can get away. It's not an opening that I can't get away with. Yeah. Uh, there's openings that I can pull premise from less or more. Yep. And honestly, I don't mind not pulling premise. I probably, that's not a good idea for if you're going on Herald night, but I'm like, no. I don't really mind. I know what you mean. I'll just, you I'm know, with you on that. I'll get there. I feel the same way, but if you're just problems of taste. Yeah. Differences in taste prevent a team from really excelling. Yeah. But also differences in what you are expecting to get out of your initiations is a just as common and very fixable thing. Let's talk let's dive into that more. So uh so you're talking let's talk about opening. This is particular to UCB. Yeah, yeah. Because we're big on openings and we're also big on the pattern game, which is the most inhuman of all openings. Yeah. For real robots. Yeah. Uh so uh, so like what, what does, what, I, I guess like what does, I feel like one challenge that I've heard fairly often is like people like not cool with living room or monologues just because it's like, too easy. We're That's on Herald night. We shouldn't be doing something so easy. I think they're right. Really? Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, for the sh- audience's perspective, it doesn't matter. Your show's good or your show's not good. Here's why I think I love it. Okay. Kid Grift. When they started, yeah. that's what they were doing. Which and, one? Uh... They were doing kind of monologue. With I love Kid Grift too. I've seen them loose. Kind of, anybody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they were doing a monologue, three monologues, and then 
chiming in occasionally. Not like not like hardcore living room, like everybody's talking always, but just like kind of chiming in occasionally. And I remember thinking, oh, these dudes are learning shit about each other. Yeah. And like have like, and I'm getting the, what this team is all about. And like I'm very quickly just like locked into what their sense of humor is about. And I remember, I think... I feel safe saying this. That's the team I feel most connected to and most like I get what they think is funny. Yeah. I feel like I, if anybody, if ever, any team's ever had a personality that I understand, it's Kid Grift. Uh, and I remember, and I think a lot of it just comes from watching those, those openings. I was like, oh, they're kind of like, I see exactly what they care about and I see exactly what the others find interesting about what they care about. And like, yeah, it's easy or whatever. But it's like, it was good. It was good. And it, it clearly helped their team. I, I, I suspect it clearly helped their team. And, you know, if you're going to go in there, what's the dumbest opening? What's, like, the least personal? Pattern game. Probably. Oh, yeah. If you're doing, you know, if you're getting in there and doing pattern game and, you know, you're kind of, you're stuck, like, looking down and not necessarily looking at each other or looking at each other and going, like, why would you say, you know, twirly umbrella? <laughs> you know, like, I don't understand. Like, if, if anything, that's almost very, that's very isolating in a weird way to go, like, why? Why? Yeah. I don't understand that. And I feel like if you, I'm sure you've seen that pattern game where somebody says, and it happens all the time, when somebody says a, a, something in there and everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? Sure, yeah. And like, probably almost every time. Almost every time yeah. that happens. And, that, and that's a thing that's like markedly disconnecting. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, cool, you're doing the harder one, but your, your team is starting off on the same page. If improv is a huge part about just connecting, you're like making it hard on yourselves. I think you're right. Uh, I actually think we agree with our assessments, but we just are drawing a different conclusion, which is that I believe that that is what's wrong with the pattern game as a piece of entertainment yeah, and its functional effect on the rest of the piece. But no, wait a minute. There's two things. First of all, <laughs> just Harold Knight is like a weird honor guard position where you want to do even the senseless part of the ceremony well. Yeah. Like, you want to be part of this tradition. Yeah. So it's almost like, fuck the audience. I want to be... Oh, there's been a whole generations of people who have worn a big black fuzzy hat while they are on guard duty. Then I'm going to wear a big black fuzzy hat. Yeah. I want to be part of it. Yeah. Even though this hat is not functional. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is, there is something emotionally safe and lazy about the monologue and the, and the um, living room opening. You're not, you're not committing. Mm-hmm. You're not being an actor. You're being a um, scared comedian who won't put themselves out there. That's fair. That is one thing about the monologue that's bad is like you, you can be scared and it never makes you not be scared. It never, it never makes you commit. Yeah. So I would, I would prefer – I always think like character openings are the best marriage of the two where you have to be characters. You have to commit to a character. But sure. you're still speaking like a human being within the realm of that. Uh, and I think a lot of Herald teams end up with that compromise. You'll see a lot of like character flocking or like point yeah. of view things, or even that telephone one that Belmonte's doing right now. Yeah, which Sentimental Lady used to do. Those are all versions of like character openings. Interesting, because it satisfies that itch of like we're committing to something. We're not being cowards. Yeah, but it's not as isolatingly alienating as a word association thing. If you said, how about this? If a team did a monologue, and then I'll totally let this go, because this is, I think we totally agree on this. We do I agree wanna, on our, I, wanna, I think, our assessment of the impact of it. If, you, if a team does a mon monologue openings, yeah. and then they, they fully commit and do every scene, like just. They do the great, a great they show. They do great show with after a, with that. great commitment. Do you care? Like, 
No, as an audience member? Yeah. No. But even as a teacher, like even as a person who's like a connoisseur of the form or whatever. I, I will at some point. Yeah. I'll be like, right, you better enough. show me that you can switch it up. Yeah. Or I, or well, I think I'm, that's true for anybody in anything. The, you got to be able to do something. The, maybe else. the best her- Swarm was my favorite improv team of all time, but maybe the best Herald team I ever saw was Dillinger, and they used to do a variety of like kind of homegrown hodgepodgey openings, and then Besser came through town and did his like pattern game workshop. Yeah. Very early in his time doing this, he had just moved to L.A. and it shook everybody up, and they decided they were going to beat the pattern game, and they fucking did it. How they, they, they beat it? They just were so smart. They could, like, function within that weird robotic. Yeah. They're doing a reunion show in August in here in L.A. Really? Yeah, because um, Brett Christensen, who's uh, one of the members, is moving to North Carolina. And so they all wanted to do one show together before it becomes basically impossible to get them all. Because most of them are here. Yeah. So the three guys from New York are flying out. Oh, that's and great. And they're doing a Dillinger reunion. When is it already on the schedule? you got to go. All improv nerds must go to the Dillinger reunion. You must be there. Right. This is a call. I'm not going to put this out so I can make sure I get to it. <laughs> uh, Use all your connections. This is more important than uh, <laughs> any, anything except for Manzuka's doing an hour mono scene with Amy Poehler. This, this is second only to that. I had tickets. Didn't go. <laughs> that hurts, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, me too. I, I wish I saw that. I don't, I don't remember why. My girlfriend's like, do you want to go? I was like, uh, I think I have something else. You had no way of knowing. Yeah, it really hurts my heart. Never seen Polar do improv. She is as good as advertised. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's rusty because she doesn't do it relative to her, but all four of them. Yeah. The four of them are, they are all so great at it. It's sort of insane. I get it. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. you should be. You're right to be hurt. Fuck. But the Dillinger, but here's the thing about Dillinger was they always put so much pressure on themselves because they were all perfectionists that I know they're going to freak out about this show. Yeah. They're all going to be nervous wrecks. And they know people like me are putting the pressure on them <laughs> hard. <laughs> I'm saying they're just. Somewhere. I am saying they're one of the best, if not the best, Herald team I ever saw. The, the, some of them will hear this secondhand because there's like an email chain going on right now. Improv nerds, Hines get to really wants to kill it. Oh Great. yeah, okay. and they'll be. They'll, and then they'll deny that they're nervous about it, but they will be because <laughs> Dillinger is a stomach anxiety filled team and they'll have but they'll figure it out that's great they will figure it out because they did they did a reunion show in new york like four years ago and i think they went through a similar process of like what should we do oh we want to be great then they 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 arrived at some level of pressure but taking it easy on themselves and they did an amazing show with a pattern game opening suggestion was super smart super smart sort of making fun of them that is that is rude when, when is this Dillinger? It's in August at some point. All right. They're going to get a full hour. It's like at 7 o'clock. I could find out. All right. Well, it's not on the schedule yet. I want to, like, make sure I get on it. It's very important to me. This is more important than anything. I, uh, one of them, uh, Eric Tenoy, is staying with me. He's a member of Dillinger and a good friend of mine. Yeah. And so that's how I about, know okay. about this. And um, I'll find it and tell you before the end of this recording. You get a bullet point list of a bunch of stuff. Can we just go through them fast? Yeah, yeah. Let's hit a bunch of them. Uh... I love that you have that. I'm so flattered and excited that you even have that many things you might want. Not that there's that many, but there's, like a, there's a, ton, a handful there's a of them, million. and I think that's really uh, cool. There's a bunch of uh, – uh, the first thing you said in class to me, I was like, hey, do you mind if I take notes? Uh-huh. And you were like, do you care if I don't say anything interesting? <laughs> 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 I was like, all right, that's great. I already like it. Uh, so uh, there's some things that you said, and I just want to have your uh, your – you speak on them just real quickly. Uh, 
You said a tag is expensive. Can you just expound on a few of these things? Yeah, tag is expensive. Uh, people equate tag outs and walk ons because they're both ways that from the back line you can support somebody else's scene. I get that, but they're not equivalent. The tag destroys the momentum of the scene and then restarts it with your new who, what, where. Yeah. So it is expensive in that it breaks the momentum of the scene and then has to restart it. So your move has to be funny enough to, to justify that moment. It has to replace all that momentum. Yeah. Whereas a walk-on is additive. Yeah. And you might confuse things, but you can also just back off and you won't lose the momentum of the existing engine. So it's less... It's lower stakes to try a walk-on and then back off. But if you're doing a tag, you better be fucking funny. I remember believing at a certain point early on after probably like second year. Between August with, 5th and August 11th. Go ahead. Between the 5th Steven. and 11th. Early on, I remember like walk doing walk-ons and remembering believing, like figuring out something that how helpful it can be. And all, like I just remember like that. I feel like a hero when I do walk-ons right. And it's yeah. and you when you do a tag in, it's so easy. It's so easy to look like an asshole. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it, you it can is. really look great doing a walk on well, but you can tag really hard, you yeah. can really really look like an asshole doing a tag out. I think the time to do a tag though is when there's very clearly like a pattern that is asking for like uh, there are times when a tag out is welcome. Yeah, and it's just like the game has been. It's basically whenever there's been a huge reaction. And you just want to recreate that reaction three times in a row. Yeah. That's the easiest time to do a tag out and not have it hurt. Yeah. You know, somebody's like, bagels! And you tag in and then it makes them go like, spaghetti! <laughs> you know, whatever. I love that one. I love that game. That's a classic <laughs> game. Good old Dillinger. Um, okay, uh, just uh, impactful versus big was the thing that you touched on. Right. Quickly. So spe- you're trying to make a big move. Often just getting more specific will create just as big an impact as bigger. So my dumb example before of like cupcakes, cake, super cake. Or yeah. What did I say? Yeah, I think muffins, that's right. cake, super cake. Yeah. Muffins, cake, angel food, cake is just as Good big, as super cake, just as impactful, but it's like less crazy and maybe more helpful. Specificity is just as good as magnitude. I'd argue it's funnier too. Like it's easier. It's to almost get always to, better. It's easier to get. It's very easy to get. And like I know it's something like this, and it's yeah. less impressive. It's very much less impressive when somebody. When people are very specific and, re- like, you – that's, like – that's the convoy showy? thing. That's, like, the convoy thing. Oh, They're yeah. very specific, and you're, like, oh, wow, how do they do – that's incredible. It's more impressive. It's when Amy, Amy like- Poehler on SNL, they had an, an, a cold open where they were all rapping about their own histories. Okay. They were, like – Amy was very new, and it was sort of, like, oh, Amy's new, and she'll be too shy to do a rap. Yeah. And then she grabs it and very aggressively, like, does – hugely boastful rap and yeah. she boasts about being from io and ucb yeah and one of her phrases is my choice is specific that was one of her things yeah. and so, I, was, I was like oh yeah specificity so she must specificity know. over bigness it's great yeah uh but we talked a little bit about that uh the endowments and taking a, a beat i don't know taking like a beat get, to digest yeah there should be the teacher should make it a default protocol behavior that everybody gets as much time as they want to absorb moves yeah be comfortable with silence let people feel your move especially the first three or four i feel like neil casey is the guy to watch for this i'm sure there's la people that i just don't i just don't know as many people out here yet so Mm -hmm. but in new york neil casey's the guy and john gemberling they're never in a hurry at the start of a scene yeah they take all the time they want to feel it before they answer 
Yeah. And they carry such gravity that people usually naturally give it to them. But everybody should be given that amount of time. And everyone should take it. As much as necessary. It might not... There might not be that much time needed. But as... You gotta get... Raise your standard of what it feels like to fully digest something. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's the, the thing that's tough. And you have to do... You have to really fight. Slow down. Just let your... Just take it in. Yeah. Just take it in, take it in, take it in. Trust me, it'll be worth it. You also need... Not you. The, pre- the people okay. who are <laughs> hearing that, maybe you, maybe me too. You, you could digest it more than you think you are. You think you've digested it because you intellectually got it. But if yeah. you wait a moment, it'll like seep into your bones a little bit better. I'm sure you've done the exercise. I've had people do the exercise of like just take like five seconds in between lines. And you can kind yes. of tell when people are just like, I'm, I thought of the thing and now I'm waiting to say it. Yes, and but even that's like, better. Ugh. Even that's better. And also, I don't do that one because nobody can wait five seconds. Yeah. I've tried two seconds, and they can't wait nobody that can long. Nobody can do that. So I just do 45 seconds of silence at the top, mm-hmm. and that creates a slower pace automatically. Interesting. Given the suggestion, wait 60 seconds sometimes ago before yeah. you, anybody's allowed to start. We did a lot of that, like, looking at each other and, like, yeah. kind of faces or whatever. Yeah, would, you, yeah. would you say take on a, a stance? A, a heat a, and a weight. A heat. A heat and a weight. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. Yep. Uh, there's a, here's a just totally shifting gears. What makes a sketch worth writing? I wish I was better at sketch or more practiced. I feel like Eva Anderson is my local guru for sketch. She's okay. got such amazing advice. But because um, if we say I if, like that phrase, I guess I guess something that is personal to you that makes you laugh. Something okay. that would make you and your best friend laugh together. Like it should have a little hint of insidey jokeness. Yeah, indulgence. That's what makes it worth. Uh, writing. Okay. If it's just going to be an on the predictable premise, I don't think it's as worth it as if. I mean, I hate to cite a beer commercial, but I'm going to. But that old Budweiser campaign that where they all would go, "What's up? What's up? Yeah, sure. What's up? That originally was just like a short film, not, and then Budweiser bought it and used it for a commercial. Oh yeah. But the short film was like such a wonderful uh, illumination of a type of communication between friends. Yeah. That had not been had a spotlight shown on it like that yeah that's like a that's what's worth writing a sketch about that's great i like that yeah that's a great criteria i think uh I also, just because if we if we say that we're decent or good at improv we can come up with games all day long right like yeah we can do them all day long but probably they're not it's probably not worth doing everyone but i like that as a good criteria it's like would this make mm-hmm. me and a buddy laugh yeah whoever your best friend inside. is that you feel funniest with yeah do, do they think it's funny yeah. Do you both think it's funny? That's a good place to start. I like it. That's great. Uh, uh, my friend Neil Casey, he and I write sketches, and the last one we wrote was a, a father and a father and the guy dating the father's daughter in an argument over what constituted a true landline phone. Like, what's the difference between an internet phone and a landline phone? We wrote <laughs> ten pages on it. <laughs> like, the idea of people arguing about that really made us laugh. It was too many. But the point is, like, okay. that got us going. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, quickly shifting gears back to improv. Uh, is, is, like, the number one thing, is it just being able to, like, be wrong a lo- for a long time? Is, like, that the trick? I feel like maybe people yeah, that is a big one. just can't get they it, can't, like, yeah. don't want to. Definitely one-on-one, they can't do it. If you tell someone to play it real, real to them is fighting as hard as you can to protect yourself. Yeah. Which I understand, actually, where that comes from, but it's yeah. not funny. Yeah. Yeah, learning how to lose. I don't know. People who are funny naturally know that losing is funny. Yeah. I don't know how to teach that. 
It's tough. I have a though, hard time teaching it. You slip by anybody, even to get it, you slip back into it. It's easy to go like, no, 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 I'm gonna have to be right here. You're like, oh shit. It's so much funnier. So much funnier being wrong or it's, crazy. Yeah, it's like, so easy. The idiot. Oh, get to have way more fun. I feel like too. I, okay, I remember this from my 101 class yesterday. Two people washing dishes. One of them said like, and they're on the same page physically, and they seem to be getting along. And one of them says like, hand me a dish. Go, yeah, here it is. Yeah. And then someone says, you know that even though we're twins, I was born a minute before you, so I'm better. And that's maybe an, that's an okay initiation. And it yeah, was yeah. related somehow to the monologue. Yeah. And the other person said, well, why, why do you think that? And then the first person goes, well, mom likes me best. Mom's always loved me best. And she tells us that. Yeah. And the other person goes, well, dad loves me best. So that's all I need. Yeah. And I'm like, ugh, you just ruined it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, be shit on. You should be shit on right yeah. now. Yeah. Also, also to just state, like, I'm comfortable with that, too. Like, Dad likes me best, so I'm okay. It's like, I'm comfortable with what this problem could be or, like, how we could play this out. It's like, I will, I will not be too upset about it. Yeah, I won't I give it, it any stakes. I love it. But it was an instinct to, like, I'll find a way to win that doesn't deny the facts. I can understand why the person thinks that's a great move. Yeah. It actually isn't the worst move because they're not denying anything, but it's they're tough. protecting themselves yeah. instead of finding a pattern to further in the scene. Yeah. It's real rough. Real rough. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you initiate? All right. If I got nothing, which is usual, sometimes I, I, after I watch like Joe Wengert or some premise people do amazing premises, I will try sometimes to initiate strong premises. Yeah. That's in a minority of the time. Yeah. Normally what I do is I try to say something that needs to be unpacked. Yeah. That involves the other person. Mm-hmm. But this is not a great way to initiate. But I do, if I'm honest, this is what I do. Yeah. It's something unpacked like, not not like a huge mystery, but just like my initiation by itself doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. I so, need you to speak to this. I need you to say something. I need you to speak a little bit more on this fact or whatever yeah. it is. Hmm. It'll be like, you know, I don't remember leaving this much bacon out. Yeah. That'll be like an initiation I like. There's a little bit of a mystery to it. It's just silly. It's like a hint of silliness. Yeah. We don't know what the answer is. Yeah. That's my favorite initiation. Yeah. But it's not very leading or helpful. And a lot of times people will look at me and be like, is that really all you're going to give me? And then if I do that and that bombs, the next scene I'll come out with like a full thing. Like a full yeah. premise that you've been cooking. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. <laughs> so something to unpack is what I'll do. Okay. Or if I really have nothing, like my actual... What I tell myself if I'm stepping off the back line and I gotta go, I just say something about the other person. That's what I start. You're okay. wearing a suit. Uh-huh. That's my like I'm falling backwards and I throw something up at the basket initiation. Okay. Why why? Just so that I give you something. Yeah. And you have to well, even better it'll be something provocative that you have to react to. Yeah. Usually and I'll be angry because if I'm scared I get angry. <laughs> You're scared to get angry. So it'll just be like Yeah, that's right. I took your shoes. Yeah. You know, something I'm just saying to you that you have to answer to. Fair enough. This okay. is not great, but that's what I do. Interesting. I like it. That's good. Uh, how much time do you have, by the way? I don't, what are we at? 2.15. I got to teach at 3. Okay. Over, okay, cool. Like 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah. We'll wrap it up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, – you want to talk a little bit about stand-up. So let's talk about it, man. Okay. So you're doing some stand-up. That's right. How's I've, it going? I've dabbled in stand-up for years. Okay. I Before I did improv – in the late 90s, I went around to open mics in New York and tried to do stand-up, and I was terrified. Yeah. Um, 
But I did that for kind of a while, like nine or ten months, just very timidly. Then I got into improv, forgot stand-up. But then I went back to stand-up in like 2004, five. My friend Brian Finkelstein started doing this mic in Brooklyn, and he would give me spots even though I had no experience, basically. Yeah. And I developed a bunch of material doing his show. And then like every couple of years, I would just dive back into it and do all the mics in New York. Yeah. And... Every return trip to the world of stand-up, I'd be, like, a little bit stronger than I had been last time. Yeah. But never enough to be, like, a known person. Every time I'd come back, there'd be a whole bunch of new stand-ups doing it who didn't know who I was. Um, and they would always be like, hey, you're pretty good. You should keep working at it, which is a nice thing to say. But I'd be like, I know. <laughs> you don't know me, but I know. <laughs> and uh, I even got a, I even for a while right before I moved was doing stuff at the comic strip in the Upper East Side like sure. old school comedy club like two drink minimum like headshots of like Richard Belzer on the wall when you walk in comedy club I was doing sets there it was really weird What's that thing called where you never you never hear a word or phrase before and then all you do is hear it it's, I don't know There's a phrase for it it's like a thing that happens it's uh-huh. some known phenomenon some friend just asked if anybody does a Richard Belzer impression this morning. I was like, who the fuck is Richard Belzer? <laughs> <laughs> still don't know. I'm still not sure. But that makes me so happy that it just happened. I had to take some time away from this podcast yeah. to just mention that it's happened. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so so doing, like, uh, I do stand-up. Uh, or not not at all. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't do stand-up. I'll, every two, three months, feel like I have something uh i'm i you do i know you do like jokes or it seems like that's right it's pretty standard fare yeah i do i very much try to do something very personal and wide i think that's funny uh-huh. and so it's like every two or three months if there's something going on i'll just like try to just dump it all out on the stage and right. see what i can do as far as putting together jokes for it. usually i'll think of a few jokes ahead of time like what they would be okay r- roughly how this story will go okay. where the jokes are and just like improvise my way out of it okay terrible plan uh, do no, it a lot. I don't think it's the worst plan. I do it a lot. Uh, I think a lot of people do that. Or, I mean, I, I think that is a way that people do. I, I don't think it's the highest success rate. No. And the people who only do stand-up would sort of look down on the laziness of that approach. Very lazy. But it does. it is something that people do do and I think could work. Yeah. Think, I, think, I think Louis C.K. never writes anything down. Yeah. I mean, clearly he's put the time in where. Yeah. But it's like a. There's something about just having it in your head and working it out each time you do it. Yeah. I feel like I feel like just because of improv, if nothing else, and this is probably a terrible habit, habit, I know how to, in a meta way, get out of it. Like, if I'm not getting a laugh, I feel like I know how to get a laugh. I think that improvise, I've seen a lot of improvisers try stand-up, and I guess I am an improviser who tries stand-up. Yeah. And I think they are, by and large, pretty good at reading the room yeah. from their improv experience. Like, they're pretty savvy about right what the room is thinking. Yeah. Maybe better, much better than a stand-up of the same experience level as them. Yeah. Which is, like, almost none. Yeah. So that stage comfort is pretty valuable. Yeah. So tell me what, uh, so just talk about, like, what do you do? Like, what's your, what's your whole, what's your whole shindig on it? Stand-up? Yeah, yeah. I mean. It changes a lot. I, it's mostly um, trying to be, like, honest and have a punchline. Yeah. But closer to jokes than stories. Yeah. Observation from real life, absurd punchline. Yeah. Move on. Okay. Um, but it's rough. Do you look at it? Uh, do you look at it in any type of game way? Yes. Okay. Trying to hit the game three times. Yeah. Set up a game and hit it three times. Okay. Fair if, enough. If it's a fully evolved bit. 
I mean, I definitely use those terms in my head. But I'm, I'm trying. My first priority when I'm doing it is to be myself. I don't want to be fake. That's okay. my number one. I don't like stand-ups that look like they're trying to sound like somebody else. Yeah. So that I'm trying to be authentic. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least, so that I, to myself, internally feel like myself as I do it. I should say that. Okay. I, yeah. Um, that's my first goal. Is what can I say tonight that won't be full of shit? Yeah. What can I talk about that is something that still matters to me? Or I'm still connected to what it means. I'm just going to chime in with uh, my thoughts on this and like what I do. as Speaking as somebody who has no experience and has no place speaking about it, I feel like I try to go in fully exposed. Like I try to go in and just like, yeah, there's everything about like it's just open. Yeah. Because uh, it, feels, it feels more confident or it just makes me feel like they can't really get me. <laughs> yeah. There's something about being able um, to be very open. I mean, you're supposed to be vulnerable, vulnerable and open when you're performing. That seems. I think audiences, audiences certainly respect honesty, and they're pretty good about smelling bullshit. Yeah. So, I think they. I think that's the number one thing that stand-up teaches you is if you try to bullshit the audience, they know. Yeah. Improv does not teach you that. Improv teaches you if you disagree with your scene partner, they know. Yeah. And that's why I think improv does a lot sillier, stupider shit than stand-up. But stand-up is a lot meaner and more disagreeing stuff. Yeah. Because the mediums are they're reinforcing different priorities in you. Yeah, absolutely. Stand-ups don't lie. Yeah. But they're narcissistic and mean. Yeah. And improvisers are silly and goofy to an annoying degree a lot of times. But they're very good at collaborating. Yeah. Is stand-up so uh, I constantly will just few more little things and we went back to improv a little bit that's okay uh is stand-up like a more valid pursuit is improv worth it at all yo yeah okay cool yeah yeah god assure yes. me please uh because I, I love improv i enjoy it very much but constantly i'm like what why yeah why no, no they're both super valid there's no doubt about it like but uh, i do think that improv is like jazz where people who get into it love to write and talk about it as we are demonstrating beyond <laughs> The need for that. Nobody needs this. There's more books on jazz than yeah. there is jazz. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that jazz is invalid. It just means people maybe talk about it more than you need to. Sure. Um, and, uh, and it actually happens to stand-up, too. How many podcasts are there where just stand-up comics is jerking each other off? It's annoying. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're doing that, so I can't totally throw stones. Not literally jerking each other off, but improv jerking each other off. Yeah. But, like... Um, I th- I mean, the, I just think stand-up tends to create good writers. Yeah. And improv tends to create good actors. Yeah. And there is, But there's overlap in both because the stand-ups are performing and they're getting to know their persona. And the improvisers have to be able to shape ideas concisely and well. But, yeah. you know, improv is like 80% acting and stand-up is like 80% writing. I like more improvisers than I like stand-ups. Me I like, too. I just like people. Yeah. Like it creates more. better... I mean, this is not everyone agrees. What I just said, I think people would generally agree with. What I'm about to say is just my opinion. Yeah. But improv makes you a much nicer person than stand-up yeah. does. Stand-up makes you a guarded, full-of-yourself, frightened asshole. Very on the defensive. Very much yeah. looking unless, to, like, shit on. Unless you have a good enough emotional core to yeah. overcome that, which many stand-ups do. I don't believe that. Uh, yeah, uh. they do. <laughs> And I think most stand-ups, they, they reach a, a bottoming out where they have to focus on being a better person despite what their art form is doing to them. Yeah. And they prioritize it. I have a couple stand-up friends 
who I've seen go through asshole periods and come out just very genuinely nicer people. Yeah. And I think they bottomed out asshole wise. Yeah. I feel like that happens. It. You can really you can really go <laughs> you can really But they go down could there. use you know, those two mediums could use something from each other. Absolutely. Like improv could use stand ups absolute demand of honesty and yeah. smartness. The best improvisers have that on themselves. Yeah. They won't take bullshit and they are trying to be smart. Not like intellectual smarty pants, but like yeah. playing it real. Does this make sense? The very best improvisers have a high standard for that. And the best stand-ups are nice people. You can tell in crowd work. You can tell in a stand-up's crowd work. Is he, are they mad at the crowd when they're doing badly? Yeah. And if they're not, if they're amused but not mad, they're probably pretty nice people. Yeah. I think that. Pete Holmes does really good crowd work in this fashion. He tends to not turn on the crowd. Yeah. And same with Berbiglia, Jamie Lee. There's people who, like, they are not rude yeah. when it's not going their way. Their instinct is to not blame other people. Probably a thing that I am going to believe that uh, improvisers could use, too. It's easy to learn improv and never learn what you think is funny. Yeah, get a hold of your voice. That's true. Stand-up. They, is, all they have is what they yeah, think is funny. Yeah, that's right. And they'll learn whether or not other people think it's funny or how uh, to you're communicate totally it. Right. You're totally right. In, but in, improvisers in improv, won't. You, yeah, you lose track of it because you're just trying to grab onto what the group is thinking, and you yeah. need to assert your own voice. Like, that's totally true. Here's a question. I did, uh, I did uh, improv for a long time. A lot of opportunities doing improv. This, never believed in it. Just never believed in what our, our voice. Uh-huh. Is, that de- is that like totally detrimental? It's got to be, right? You never believed in whose voice? Our voice as a team, what we did. Oh. I'd just be like, nah, this isn't good. Um, I'd write off like 98% of the shows. And that's not the tr- case for other improv. You had a case where this was true of you yeah, and yeah. a team? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's you should get out of that team. You should get out of that, right? I mean, t- it depends where you are. It's, if you're early enough and you're learning, yeah. you need to just get reps and learn, and you shouldn't be fussy about that. If yeah. the people are not bad people, yeah. like as human beings. At a certain point, yeah, you but have to At a certain just... point, yeah, you've got to go with the people who agree with your sensibility. Right. I say it's the two-year mark. Yeah, two years? Great. Roughly. got to put that as a prescription out for everybody, two years. And start figuring I out. mean, I'm guessing. It depends <laughs> on how much you're doing, but I feel like you spend a year just like learning how to do it and then another year getting reps to you're very comfortable with it and then I think you're free to start making you're not mastered it yet but you're at a point where you can start being selected fair enough uh, I'm gonna have you solve a few problems for me I'm ready TV you're doing a little TV now I understand I did Broad City and Amy Schumer great uh, writing oh uh, yeah I or is, sold or is the that pitch like to Comedy a... Central okay do all characters have a game yeah yeah okay all good ones especially uh, on TV yeah I feel like that's true. I, wanna, I mean, I wanna... the Friends are all games. They're all games. They're great. Seinfeld, they're all games. They all have more than one game. How do you put on a game and have it not feel artificial and bullshit? We're oh, I don't know. About... That's a great question. Okay. I can't solve it for you. I would because I, I haven't done it. I haven't actually done TV. Yeah. I would guess it is getting a good actor yeah. who can create the semblance of reality, who makes it look real. Yeah. I just watched Hudson Hawk yesterday, the Bruce Willis movie from 1991, which is one of the worst movies of all time. Great. That's not true. But it's a really bad movie. There's, sure. plenty, there's plenty of worse movies. Yeah. It's a bad movie. It's a failed movie. But in that movie, James Coburn looks great. Yeah. Maybe great's overstating it. He looks good. He looks like a valid, sincere, earnest presence. Yeah. And I was like, God, he must be an amazing actor. He just makes it look real. He does. No he one else is able it. to do it, or very few people. Yeah. Um, there's a level of... So get that person to do your character, <laughs> I think, is the best way to solve that. It's a thing of something... 
I think there's something in there like a character can have bullshit to it and being able to something in there like bringing the non-joke to it we were writing we've been writing sold a couple web series things so now we're kind of like focusing and really getting it going uh, and it's more and more going like oh, don't put bullshit in there because it's not going to work and I think that's part yeah, of what we talked a little bit too is like it's, it's just not going to work it never it really rarely does like it's funny like we'll go like this is funny this would be like we get away with this in a sketch but like nobody's going to deal with this I totally agree cool I'm learning that lesson too and I have trouble remembering it all right, we got two minutes. We got to cut, touch a pearl of wisdom, which is a note or a piece of feedback or advice that you got that was very impactful for you. And then one last thing. This is like a very like practical, boring thing. How do you keep everything in your head? Uh, how do you keep uh, good callbacks? That's how you do an hour-long show. Smokes. It's mm-hmm. just an incredible callback that like tied the whole show together. It was very. It was like some, you made somebody into a card and handed it to Eugene Cordero, and it goes like, "Go give that to a kid and scare him." That was the very first scene of the show. I was dying. It was very funny. Oh yeah, I don't know yeah. If you remember this? I do remember that. But I was like, and I think Bobby Moynihan was in this set. No, he wasn't. Oh, was he the movie previous week? Sorry. Maybe. <laughs> I would remember some Bobby Moynihan. Okay. Yeah, give us two kids and scare him. Very funny. How do you keep it all in your head? I don't know if there's any like practical advice. I feel like it's sometimes it's like labeling things to me, or it's just like this feels vague. I, do, I periodically check in with myself during the show. Yeah. I mean, every now and then I'll stop and just make myself think back on what's happened. What's happened so far? Okay, I will spend a whole long time. It's whatever easily comes to mind. Yeah. And I'll definitely try to remember the first scene. Yeah. Because those callbacks the are callback. the most fun. Yeah. For so sure. So I'll just make sure if there's anything worth it, I'll hold. And while it's happening, I'll hold on to it. This is the first scene. I'll be like, is there anything in here I'm going to bring back? Yeah. I'll be like, oh, maybe we see the moment before this, the moment after that. Yeah. So while the first scene is happening, if I'm not in it, I think about that. Couple times throughout the show, I will just do a check-in. Usually, what I'll do is I'll just kind of look up and down the back line, yeah, and just remember everybody's, everybody's best parts. Thing, yeah. like, what okay. do they do? What do they do? Okay, all right, I got it. Just to keep it closer to the front of my brain. That's great. Then I don't do that. So this yeah. is mo- that's it. And then like, and I do consciously try to be aware. Or toward the end of the show, callback time. What yeah. can I call back? Yeah. All right, that first scene had that thing I was thinking about. All right, Joe did this character. Maybe this. Yeah. But then I don't do it unless there's like an opening for it. A lot of times I won't do anything. Really? But they're ready. I'm, I've always got some in mind. I was on a team with someone named Shannon O'Neill on the Stepfathers yeah. in New York. And Shannon, Very funny. Shannon is maybe the number one best person at callbacks I've ever seen in all my life. Eric Tenoy being a close second. <laughs> where they just seem to have the whole show, every line, and they can do it. Yeah. And so I learned Shannon would remind me of how powerful that was. So it yeah. motivated me to get better at it. That's great. Uh, yeah. Don uh, Finelli's also good. There's a lot of people who are really good. There's a lot of funny people in this community. It's, it's incredible. True. It's true. Uh, it's pearls of wisdom. Note feedback advice you got. How's impactful for you? Something maybe that you kind of keep close to your heart. <laughs> uh, match energy. Match energy. John Gambling was in my first practice group, and we did a Herald, and it was really bad. And I was like, what did I do wrong there? And he's like, you got to match energy. He just said that. He was on your team, and he's like, you got to match me, man. I was asking him pretty – I was asking him, like, what That's do great. you think I should do? So it wasn't like he was giving me no, – he, he, it was funny. But it wasn't. John was an extremely good performer. We yeah. were friends. It wasn't unusual for yeah. – uh, it didn't feel weird. Yeah. And it was – he was right. I was it's so in my head trying to do it right that I was committing way below the scene. Yeah. And that had more to do with it than any of my moves. So match energy, I'll tell myself. Participate. That was a side coach that James Eason said to me when I was in a group game – being the photographer while everybody else was tackling each other. Yeah. And he side coached, participate. Uh, I think about that moment. The way that note hit me, yeah. change. I was like, oh, yeah, get in there. Don't yeah. be the observer. Yeah. That's great. Uh, those are two. 
All right. Well, let's get you out of here. I need uh, plugs, things that you want to share with the world. Go read my Twitter feed, everybody. Will Hines, W-Y-L-L-H-I-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on the smokes every Monday, 630, and your fucked up family every Friday at 930. Were you behind that fake Twitter feed? Nope. Okay. Great. Which one? Uh, maybe I know who it was. There was the one that was like, it was like your name but flipped. Oh, letter. Heaven Kinds? Heaven Kinds. Oh, no, that was Heaven Kinds. That's right. That's not your, that's not your that's name. That's my brother's yeah. name flipped, and Sean Clements was behind that. Great. That's and very it's funny. one of the funniest. It's very funny. Heaven, I also plug Heaven Kinds. <laughs> it's just an incredibly filthy, overly super sexual, <laughs> depraved Twitter feed. It was one of the for funniest. For some reason, with a picture of my brother who had nothing to do with it. People in New York love my brother. It was... They love my brother, uh, yeah. A, and they love attributing things to him. <laughs> Joe Wengert named his cat after my brother. Yeah. Joe Wengert's cat's name is Kevin Hines. <laughs> and Joe Wengert just did a Comedy Central half-hour special with a whole bit about his cat. He's like, I have my cat, Kevin Hines, <laughs> and it's my brother's name. And he never explains why he named his cat a person's <laughs> name, never addresses it. It's super weird. And then Sean Clements begins a fake Twitter feed called Heaven Hines, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's one of the funniest Twitter feeds. It was like very early on when I got on Twitter. I was like, what is this? This is perfect. It's been dead for six years. I still go no, back sometimes yeah, no, and read it. it too. It's it is so funny. funny. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate oh, it. It's a great podcast i'm glad to be on it bye do you like talking about things you're not qualified to talk about? Us too. The Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for. Every week, your host, that's me, Cassie Jerkins, invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy. Laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house, the Terminator movies, and the Titanic. Check out Dumb Nerds today on your favorite podcast app.